are listening to Radio Maria and welcome to Credo this evening. For this evening's programme, I'm delighted to welcome Raymond Friel, who is going to speak with us about prayer based on his book that he wrote with David Wells. It's called At Your Side for Those That Pray, Those Who Want to Pray and Those Who Lead Prayer. Raymond has worked in Catholic settings for more than 30 years, mostly in the state secondary education where he worked as a teacher in, of English before taking on very senior roles, both at the diocesan level and nationally as well. At the moment, he's the CEO of Caritas Social Action Network, an agency that is dedicated to tackling poverty and enhancing social mission in England and Wales. Last year, he got the OBE in the 2022 New Year's Honours List for Services in Education and he lives in Somerset with his wife Janet who is an artist and a maker and they have three sons. In between all this he's managed to write a number of books on education and Catholic life and prayer and as I said tonight we will be learning more about prayer based on his book. Dear listener, I've had a couple of conversations with Raymond over the last few weeks as we've been organising this evening, and I'm not sure if it's because of or despite all his hard work over the decades. But in any case, I'm glad to let you know that he has not been drained of energy or enthusiasm over that time. Raymond, thank you for offering your time to speak with us this evening. Oh, Alien, thank you for the very warm and generous introduction and good evening everybody it's a pleasure to be with you and if i may i'd like to start just by sharing with you um a few extracts from another book first of all which is called formation of the heart the why and how of being a catholic today and in that book i talk about prayer and i thought it'd be helpful just to read a little bit from that as a kind of introduction to prayer and then after the break, I'll read some prayers from the, the book that Aileen referred to um, at your side. So I start the extract um, with a classic question from the Catechism and a question which many, many of us ask, what is prayer? In the Catechism, in answer to the question, what is prayer? After the perhaps overly familiar response from the Penny Catechism, of the raising of one's mind and heart to God or the requesting of good things from God, we find this. The wonder of prayer is revealed beside the well where we come seeking water. There, Christ comes to meet every human being. It is he who first seeks us and asks us for a drink. Jesus thirsts. His asking arises from the depths of God's desire for us. This wonderful description of prayer takes us back to that vivid scene in John's Gospel when Jesus is slumped by a well at midday. He is tired. The disciples have gone off into the village to buy food. A woman comes to the well with her empty jar. A woman with a complicated past. A woman on her own in the hottest part of the day a woman that the other women might avoid. It is to this woman that Jesus says, give me a drink. He shouldn't have been speaking to her. He has crossed all sorts of cultural and religious barriers to start this conversation. As a man, as a Jew, she's a Samaritan. And yet this is the encounter that the catechism holds up to us as a description of prayer. God is thirsting for us. No matter how unworthy or unready we regard ourselves as being, all we have to do is come to the well with our empty jars. Humility is the foundation of prayer. God calls first. It is always that way around, gift and response. We are not in charge here in the way we often feel we are in our lives, reliant on our own skills and determination to succeed. That is of no use whatsoever in the life of prayer. We do not climb the ladder to heaven by our own efforts. The Bible is more about God's search for us than our search for God. 
We saw that in God's tender question to the fallen Adam and Eve. Where are you? At that moment, they don't know where they are. They have lost confidence in God and are hiding from him, naked and ashamed. Before they leave the garden, God made garments for them. He clothed them for their life's journey east of Eden. We've been wrapped in that divine care ever since, even though we often forget. God did not abandon human beings to fruitless wandering in a valley of tears after the Garden of Eden, that dream of communion with God. He sent us prophets and witnesses of hope, comfort and encouragement, and of course, of chastisement. But more than that, he sent his only son, the word made flesh, to be among us and tell us how to be friends with God. He showed us what God was like, a God of steadfast love and forgiveness. When we see Jesus in the Gospels, we not only see God, we see ourselves as we should be in the likeness of God. And Jesus prays. At the beginning of Mark's Gospel, after a day of healing many who are brought to him with sickness and demons, we hear that in the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. Jesus prays often. It is a habit for him. He does not pray as a display. He does not lead daily community prayer. The disciples have to prompt him to teach them how to pray, like John taught his disciples. He prays on his own in the silence before dawn, to his father who calls him beloved and whom he calls Abba, an Aramaic word for father, connoting great trust, affection and closeness. The prayer of Jesus is the encounter with his father, whose will is his life's mission, the relationship that gives meaning to his earthly life. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus does give us some instructions about prayer. He tells us to avoid letting everybody know when we're being pious, like the hypocrites, those who live in the eyes of others. He says to us, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. He knows what we're like, that we're needy creatures, always looking for the affirmation of others to keep us alive. He knows that we're manipulative, that we're skilled at getting our own way at the expense of the truth. All that needs to be left at the door when we enter our inner room, the place where no one sees us. We do not need to go to church to be in the presence of God. A quiet corner anywhere will do fine. And when we get there, we can drop the mask, forget the speeches. Jesus says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Our Father is attentive and knows what we need for fullness of life. Our journey in prayer is to become like Jesus, transparent to the will of the Father, to be drawn to him not pulled further into the futility of our own desires. So from scripture and from tradition, we have some good advice about what prayer is and about how to go about praying. It is God's first step towards us. St. Paul says it is the Spirit of God praying in us, helping us in our weakness. We really don't know what we're doing in the presence of the Holy One. We do not know how to pray as we ought. Romans 8, verse 26. The very desire to pray is God's Spirit at work in us, drawing us to himself. Prayer is friendship with God, wasting time with God, if you like, because we have nowhere more important to be. Prayer is not weaving clever phrases in the hope of bending God's will to what we think we need. God knows what we need. And it is not always what we think we need. Prayer is poverty, simplicity, honesty. It is making room for God, growing in participation in God's own life, 
which is why it leads to loving action in the world. Jesus did not spend his entire life in the wilderness as a contemplative. In the wilderness, led by the Spirit, his mission was made clear to him. Then it was time to begin his public ministry. His prayer fueled his mission, inspired his decisions, expressed his hopes and fears, his sense of who he was and what he was called to do, to seek out and to save the lost. People who pray are sometimes accused of wasting time, especially when there is a situation of urgent need. This has never been the Christian view. Pope Benedict XVI said, Piety does not undermine the struggle against the poverty of our neighbours. He cites the examples of St. Teresa of Calcutta, who worked in circumstances of extreme poverty, as a clear illustration of the fact that time devoted to God in prayer not only does not detract from effective and loving service to our neighbour, but is in fact the inexhaustible source of that service. Benedict was responding to what he saw as the activism and the growing secularism of many Christians engaged in charitable work. It may be well-intentioned, but it is not the work of the church if it is not rooted in prayer and inspired by the values of the gospel. The activist mindset might say, what's the point of praying? Are you trying to change God's mind? It doesn't look as if that approach has been very successful over the years. Benedict agrees with this to some extent. The Christian who prays does not claim to be able to change God's plans or correct what he has foreseen. The point of prayer is an encounter with God, asking for the presence and consolation of God in the midst of difficult circumstances. The point of prayer is to make more and more space for God and less and less for our own ideas. We are praying to see the world as God does, with eyes of compassion. That is the starting point for all charity. And just a, a very short um, story, just to, to illustrate that. And this is a, a true story uh, about um, a friendship of mine uh, in, in recent years. The section is called Praying with Andrew. Faith and Light is a network of communities across the world made up of persons with an intellectual disability, their families and friends, who meet on a regular basis in a Christian spirit to share friendship, pray together and celebrate life. I'm not sure why I went along to the meeting. It must have been the prompting of the Spirit. The first few times I felt very uncomfortable singing children's songs and acting out simple scenarios. Then I got over myself and started to relax a bit and made friends with some people, in particular Andrew, who is about my age, a bit older, and has Down syndrome. I ended up a few weeks later taking Andrew to church on a Sunday morning, along with Fiona, another friend from his supported living complex, and her mother. I sat beside Andrew at Mass and was immediately impressed by his reverence. His speech isn't clear, but he knew when to respond. He started copying the gestures of the priest, raising his arms in prayer and so on. It turned out that Andrew, whose parents have both passed away, used to serve on the altar in our parish years ago. Sadly, that stopped when one parish priest couldn't cope with Andrew on the altar. But we had a new parish priest, and I asked him about Andrew serving on the altar again. He was very supportive, and within a few weeks, Andrew and then Fiona were serving on the altar. He was so proud of himself, carrying the cross in procession, ringing the bells, pouring the water over the priest's hands ever so carefully. We started up a monthly lunch in the parish as another way to build social bonds and fraternity and to break down social exclusion especially among the elderly and many of our friends with intellectual disability. Andrew and Fiona helped to set up and serve the lunches and look forward to the next one as soon as it was over. At the beginning of the lunch, our parish priest said grace before meals. One Sunday, 
Andrew got up and stood beside him, his eyes closed, his arms stretched out in prayer, ready for the grace before meals. Our parish priest, a wise and intuitive man, turned to Andrew and said, Why don't you say the prayer, Andrew? Andrew opened his eyes, his face lit up and he smiled. All right then, I will. He gathered himself up, took a deep breath and prayed. Most of the words we couldn't make out, but it was prayer all right. It was a prayer of the heart. It was the Holy Spirit praying in Andrew. No need for many clever words anyway. Jesus made that very clear. So after all that catechism, all that thinking, I think my best lesson in prayer has been from Andrew, my friend. A person the world might regard as useless, unproductive, a burden. A person that in many cultures would not be allowed to be born for those reasons. Because in the eyes of some he is not fully a, or properly a human being. But he is a child of God, capable of loving and being loved. And it is the pure in heart are closest to God. He taught me how to pray with reverence, sincerity and humility. And I think I'll hand you back over to Alien for, I think, some music now. Raymond, thank you so much. And uh, that was a very uh, evocative story then. I, you know, I'm sure with the listeners, we could see your friend Andrew in the parish um, and the gathering of all people there together praying under his leadership at that point. Um, you said that you like uh, some Celtic music, so this isn't quite properly Celtic, I suppose, but it is the uh, Celtic worship. I think they're a band and this is In Christ Alone. the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are stilled when striving cease my comforter my all in all here in the love of Christ I of God and helpless babe this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save till on that cross as Jesus died the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid of Christ I live in the ground his body and that was in Christ alone by Celtic worship you are listening to Radio Maria this is Credo and back to you Raymond 
Oh, thank you, Ilya. Thank you for the lovely music. I, I really enjoyed that one. It's nice, isn't like, it? <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. I was humming along there. It's it it wonderful. Good. Um, I'd like to read a few uh, prayers now from the, the book at your side, uh, which is a book of original prayers written by myself and, and my friend David Wells. Uh, and I, I I think, I hope, they're honest prayers, they're real prayers, they're prayers about our our own lives, our own experiences. Um, and I've chosen a few, and I just want to try and illustrate the, the range of prayers in the book. And the first one I'd like to read is called In Praise of Creation. Um, praise is a type of prayer, and, and we, we often don't think of, of praise so much. We think often of petition and intercession, but maybe not so much about praise so much. So th th this one is called In Praise of Creation. Lord, it is good to be here on the good earth, our common home. What you made is holy. Praise to you, Lord, for creation, for the morning sun, the ripening fruit, the oceans rolling in splendor, the life-giving trees, the animals at play in the wilderness, the glancing shoals of fish, grace-filled, charged with grandeur, Help us to be good dwellers on this earth, to look after what has been entrusted to us from all eternity, to live more simply and not to aspire to a lifestyle that cannot be shared by all. Help us to be attentive to what we consume, where it comes from, the impact of its production. Give us the grace to be open to reality to hear the cries of pain from the sea, the shanty towns, the steaming landfills where children pick over toxic waste for a living. Let us be aware of who we are in the scheme of things. We are your hands to till and tend the goods of creation, to be shared among everybody, your creatures, grateful for the gift of life. I think in that one, I'm, I'm sure you can see the inspiration of of Pope Francis and Laudato Si, his wonderful encyclical on the care of, of, of our common home. Um, the next one I'd like to read is a more a more personal one, and I think it's I think it's good to be personal in prayer. I think we should be personal. As I said before, we're not really hiding anything from God, and prayer can be very raw very real and i think that's what we see in scriptures we see that in the psalms so many of the psalms are really quite quite raw quite quite painful so this prayer i wrote um when my father died now my father died now 12 years ago i wrote this prayer uh, about um that that time and it is it kind of starts like a like a poem almost and then it ends up being a prayer i, I don't i don't think there's much difference to be honest between a poem and a prayer but it, it, it will sound like a poem to begin with and then become more of a prayer. This is when my father died. I could take you to the very spot. A cafe and a motorway service station overlooking the traffic heading madly north and south. An empty coffee cup on the Formica top in front of me. My brother phoned me, said that dad had gone I was too late. He was spirit. And when I got back in the car and headed on north, less in a hurry now, wiping away tears, I was glad that on my last visit, sitting on his hospital bed, I said to him for the first time, I love you, Dad. By then he was far removed from what he had been. But when he heard that, his blue eyes flared and he tried to sit up. Our whole life, our, our difficult years, coming to a point of grace that afternoon at the end of visiting time. Now he is spirit and I am glad that once, just once, I let go and said the one thing that freed us both from the knots of pride and pain. Lord, this kind of loss is not easy. When a parent dies, 
one who was there for us over the years, through it all, no matter what the age or illness beforehand, it knocks the wind out of us, opens up a great gap in our being. We cling to those we love, those we know, so it's hard to let go, to imagine the bigger life they inhabit still. We cramp with grief just as you did when your friend Lazarus died, or when your father Joseph died, unbeknown to history, of a fever, an injury at work, we don't know. But we imagine you with him in his final hard hours, the man who taught you the ways of God, the workings of wood and stone, an honest day's labour. Dear Lord, who knew the pain of human loss, be with all those who mourn, comfort them in their dark, lonely hours. May they find some strength from faith and friends to get through, to sort out the day, and then one day to wake to the morning light and figure it will all go on and they will go on with a heart more tender for having loved. Today, through the strength of heaven, light of sun, radiance of moon, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of wind, depth of the sea, stability of earth. Raymond, we have you back on air. Oh, thanks, Aileen. So I'll just I'll just start um, a prayer for refugees, asylum seekers, and migrants. We wept when we saw the little boy lying face down in the surf, lifted ever so carefully in the arms of the tall, bewildered policeman. In one life, one image, the pain of millions was captured, and we cramped with pity determined to open our hearts and our doors to those who gave everything to clamber into dinghies and lorries to get away from the shelling, the grinding dusty poverty, to find what we call normal, undestroyed neighbourhoods, the morning commute, food on the table. Lord, help us to be honest with ourselves and with each other as the tide turns. And some believe we have gone too far in welcoming the stranger. And some would close the gates and build a wall and see nothing but threat. Are we really open to the refugee, the migrant, those who seek asylum at our border? Or is the prayer in our heart that they 
be housed and cared for, Lord, but just not in my street or at my table. Lord, give us open hearts and honest hearts, hearts that can see how far we often are from welcoming you into our midst. Don't give up on us. Don't turn from our door. And uh, hoping, hoping I'm still with you. You're still How here. You? Oh, <laughs> yeah. great! We, we are we are well and truly connected. That's wonderful. Yeah, you're doing uh, well. <laughs> so, just a, just a couple more. What uh, one is um, the, the next one is a a prayer for for when I can't pray. It's called, um, and I think again, it's, as many people I talk to about prayer will often say, you know, this, I just don't know what, how to pray. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what prayer is, and and it's maybe for people brought up perhaps in the Catholic tradition who are used to prayers and saying prayers, but they're not used to praying or praying without the aid of some of these traditional prayers. And it's something I think we need to learn as we mature in the faith. So this again tries to be an honest prayer um, about when I can't pray, and the first half is. Is, is the the person, the disciple, just being honest about not being able to pray? And the, and the second half is God's response. Lord, I can't pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't even know if I want to pray. The well has run dry. I'm so busy these days. How can I find time for prayer? I don't even know what to say anymore. When I was a child, we said our prayers. It seemed so simple. But now I wonder, what's the point? If we're all praying for different things, why do some prayers get answered and some don't? And why is it that good people who pray still suffer and others who don't seem to flourish? Prayer feels like I'm talking to myself in an empty room. My child, so many questions, so much anxiety in your heart. Do not be afraid. Do not worry. I am with you. Whether you know that or not, whether you feel it or not, I know you struggle with prayer. I know that you don't know how to pray, but you don't have to. My spirit will pray in you. All you need to do is bring your troubled heart to the well. There I will meet you. Let go of your fears. Extend your hand to me. That is all I want, more than anything. An open hand and heart, a humble heart. There I will find a home. And the final prayer from this little selection from the book um, is called a prayer at the end of the day. So I thought that this might be appropriate for us as, as we come to that point towards the end of the day to have a like a like a night prayer, really. Now, this one is is based on um, on the prayer of, of Ignatius um, of Loyola and, and his his prayer, um, which is called the examen, which is a kind of a way of looking back over the day or the week or the, or the month, or but just looking back over time, uh, often in the Jesuit tradition, the Jesuits, uh, they say that they examine at the end of the day or more than more than once a day, but certainly at the end of the day. And they're looking back over the day and, and looking for um, the promptings of the spirit of the day, you know, what, noticing things. Where was God today? Where was the spirit today? Where, where was I happy today? Where was I not happy today? And, and what do I need to be sorry for? And, and, and what can I do with that a little bit better? So that, that, that's the, the structure of the prayer. It's called, called the, the examine. So this is a prayer at the end of the day. And this will be my final prayer. And then I'll hand back over to, to Aileen. Lord, as the day comes to an end, help me to settle for a moment in your presence. To be still and set aside the agitations of the day, to be grateful for my life, for the gift of everything. 
Help me now to consider the day, to let the events play out, my encounters with people, my thoughts, my reactions to unexpected moments, to what rises in me when I think of today? What plays on my mind? What tugs at my heart? What drained me of life? What enlivened me? What stretched me a little into being? What diminished me? What did I do for others that was helpful? That was unhelpful? Did I say anything to demean another? To get one over, one up? Where might I have been more attentive? What in my lifestyle remains unexamined that I know is unhealthy, selfish, unsustainable? What am I sorry for? Where did I fall again? What is going to change? Where does your spirit need to get at me to make me more forgiving, more compassionate, more patient, more committed to my neighbour? Lord, bless all those I love this night. Keep us from fear and anxiety and bring us safely to a new day with new purpose and a new desire to change, to grow, to be our better selves. We make all our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Raymond. I'm going to take us back to St. Patrick's Breastplate now, and it's sung by Rita Connolly, and it's from the, the Deer's Cry album. I know that Raymond would be really happy to hear from you, dear listener. It means a lot to the people who give their time to us on Radio Maria to speak with us, uh, to know that you're there, to know that you are interested. And um, please do call on 01223 375564. That's 01223375564. If you have a question, a comment, an experience to share, um, feel free. Um, we are open and would like to hear from you. I arise today through the strength of heaven, light of sun, radiance of moon, splendor of fire, speed of Swiftness of wind, depth of the sea, stability of earth, firm of rock. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's eye to look before me. God's wisdom to guide me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to grow. And again, that number is 01223 375564.
You are listening to Radio Maria and we have with us this this evening Raymond Friel speaking to us about prayer and I have two callers. The first caller, Father Toby, you're on air. Hello, Raymond. Hello, Aileen. I I just want to say thank you very much for that, Raymond. It was really wonderful and um, I particularly appreciated the... um, what you said about the importance of, of prayers, of, of praise. I've been reading quite a lot of sort of G.K. Chesterton about him lately and just reflecting on that, that sense of sort of giftedness of just existing and being part of this amazing creation. And I just want to say, I thought your your um, prayer riffing on sort of Pope Francis and Laudato Si was particularly beautiful. So I'd love to get a copy of, of the book now. Um, so thank you. Thank you very much for that. Thank you, Father Toby. And it's nice to um, to speak to you again, having met you a little while ago. Um, yes. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I agree. I, I we we don't we don't hear enough of it. I mean, may, maybe in 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 the divine those who say the divine office may, maybe are more used to uh, prayers of praise, maybe in the Psalms and so on. But I think for a lot of people, prayers of praise don't, don't often feature in in their sort of spirituality. So. I was conscious of that and and just trying to um, just provide a, a little example of, of praise, which we do find in poetry and in the arts actually, um, but but maybe not not so much in our own prayer experience. So thank you for that. Yeah, thanks for thanks very much, and I, I look forward to to seeing you again soon. God bless. Thanks, Good night. Father. God bless. Thanks, Father Toby, and we have Anne on the phone as well, Raymond. Uh, this is Anne happens to be my mother. I haven't asked her to call in this evening, but <laughs> I know that she was listening. So Anne, Anne is Irish, and she's calling from Liverpool. Anne, you're um, on air. Thanks very much, Ailey. Uh, hello, Raymond. Um, I just wanted to say I am 79 years of age, and I just wished I had heard you 60 years ago. <laughs> Because uh, I've been brought up in the tradition where you say your prayers. And, you know, the idea of going someplace quietly and just sitting with God and just being and, um, you know, going to the well, it really was uh, an eye-opener for me, and I thank you for it. And I'm looking forward to your book. So thank you so much. It's never too late to learn how to pray. Well, and that is beautifully said, and is absolutely never, never too late to learn to pray or to pray differently. And I, I shared a lot of your experience with my experience. We grew up; my parents grew up; my grandparents grew up saying prayers, and we yeah. had many, many, many of them. But but often then, when we were on our own, we didn't really know what what to do ourselves. No, we had to no. lean on these prayers. You know, to said the rosary and. And all the prayers afterwards, and um, prayers of intercession, and for the holy souls and various saints, but really not. And there was no harm in that. Of course, it was good, but um, the idea of just being in a quiet place and um, and and letting God come to us as much as we going to God is a beautiful notion, and mm. I do thank you for it. Our oh, pleasure. And and it's what struck me re- reading the Catechism uh, after many years of not reading the Catechism mm-hmm. is that the Catholic Church doesn't tell us how to pray. It's, no, no, no. You're absolutely quite, right. It? It's quite yeah. a lot of people think the Church tell, tells you what to do, but it doesn't tell you how to pray. It says, well, yeah. you know, there's liturgical prayer, which is the the prayer of the Eucharist, you know, the liturgy of the words and divine office and, and the Mass, but then there's there's personal prayer. Yes. Or, or yes. devotion prayer. Uh, and think, we, yes. Yeah? Young, young people would benefit so much from hearing you, you know, and and uh, and, and in, in our Mass on Sundays, we do hear great things from, from our priests, and they're wonderful. But there's a, a need, a great need, I think, to know more about how to pray mm. for people. Well, and so, thank you so much. I, I, what what you say really resonates in my heart. So thank you for that. Thank you very much, Raymond, and thank you again. Pleasure, pleasure. Bye for now. Bye now. Thanks for calling, Anne. And dear listener, we have a little bit more time, so I'm going to play a little bit more music. The number is oh one two two three three seven five. 
0800-564-564. Please do call. We'd be really glad to hear from you. I arise today through the strength of heaven, light of sun, radiance of moon, splendor of fire, speed of of wind, depth of the sea, stability of earth, firmness of rock. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me. God's so you are listening to Radio Maria. We are coming towards the end of our programme this evening. There is still just about time for another caller, dear listener. So if you would like to call and you haven't yet, um, I'm not going to play music at the moment, but I'll keep an eye and uh, we would be glad to hear from you. Raymond, I have a good many questions, um, but one of the things... There are two things that stood out to me when I was reading your book and we've used it at home. Uh, I was telling Raymond, dear listener, that we I keep this book on our kitchen table and before we eat, we, we say our prayers and we find a prayer between us and our family um, to, to pray. And certainly I've been very aware for my daughter, my 17-year-old daughter, um, that the prayers in, in and of themselves are, are beautiful and, and varied Um but they also help to teach her what prayer is. And um, this isn't really on that topic. They reminded me of the Psalms, but modern day Psalms, they're not always easy, raw and vulnerable. And I wondered when you wrote this book with your friend, um, first of all, how important was friendship to the writing of it? And secondly, you because you have to be because we have to be ourselves in prayer. I have a sense that you both have allowed yourselves to show who you are a little bit in your prayers. Um, mm. And I wondered about that. It's a great question, Eileen, but I'll, I'll try and be brief. And it's, um, I mean, I've known David for, for a number of years. And, um, you know, th th those who've heard David know he speaks so well. He, he, he speaks, he tells stories so well. He, he's, you know, he can, he can hold an audience um, of, of thousands of people. And uh, I was writing the prayers, and, and I said, David, you know, some of the stuff you talk about, you know, that that, that that's prayer, you know, what you, what when you're speaking. And he said, really? I said, no, there, there are times when you, you, it just sounds like prayer. Um, so so he sort of extracted some some of the content from his talks, and he said, oh, you're right, you know, they, these are prayers, and, and we turned them into prayers, and so you, you can be praying without even knowing it, you know. So it was my friendship with David, I suppose, that led to the conversation that. That, that encouraged him to recognise that he was praying and to turn his beautiful thoughts into prayers for the book. Oh, lovely. <laughs> um, we are getting to the end of our programme now. Um, Raymond, thank you so much for your time this evening. It's been um, very, oh, what's the word? A cup overflows. Yeah. That's, that's a lovely image. That'll do fine. <laughs> yeah, and, and you will have brought us... Uh, you know, a little bit further in our own prayer lives. I know you're going to come back to us, aren't you? And you're going to continue with prayer with schools. I am. I, I'm, I'm coming back on the 13th of September to also to Credo, the, the slot at 8.30. And I'm going to talk specifically about prayers in school or in schools. Um, so I, I look forward because most of my life has been in schools, as you said in the intro. So I, I look forward to that very much. Yeah, we look forward to having you. Can you. Would you mind finishing with a prayer now? Do you have one that you could finish with us? Well, um, what about... Um, I could do a, a prayer. Or should I do a morning prayer? Is it, is, it too, is, it, is it too early to do a morning prayer? No, why not? That's a... Yeah. So th this is one for tomorrow. This is one for tomorrow morning. Well, somewhere in the world it might be it might be morning. Somebody might be listening from somewhere in the world <laughs> where it's morning. Uh, this, is, this is a morning prayer um, uh, to the Trinity, based on the Trinity. It begins, Father, creator God, source of life and love, God for us, 
be the solid ground I walk on today. Son, God in our skin, revelation of the Father, God with us, be the friend who walks beside me today. Spirit, spark of resurrection, drop in the pool of conscience, God in us, be the goodness in my heart today. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen.